0: Perkins and Lee said that they did not mind being stereotyped forever because of their participation in this movie. They said in interviews that they would rather be stereotyped and be remembered forever for this classic than be rem- not be remembered at all. True. Which is a fair point. Yeah. Uh, uh, this this is a major fuck-up for Paramount. Paramount Pictures gave Sir Alfred Hitchcock a very small budget with which to work because of their distaste for the source material. They hated the novel. They didn't want him to do this at all. They also deferred most of the box office take to Hitchcock thinking the movie would fail. They were like, sure, you're not going to get paid anything for it, but you can get all the back end because this movie's going to fucking... Oh! You know, oh. <laughs> uh, when it became a sleeper hit, Hitchcock made a fucking fortune.
1: <laughs> That's fucking oh, awesome. Oh, I bet
0: somebody got fired. <laughs>
2: We were oh, yeah. going to kill it on this uh, movie. Oh,
0: about that, uh, we kind of gave him. <laughs> uh, Hitchcock wanted to make the movie so much that he deferred his standard $250,000 salary in lieu of 60% of the movie's gross. Uh, Paramount believed that this movie would do so poorly that they agreed his personal earnings from this movie exceeded $15 oh, million. Fuck. Dollars adjusted for inflation, that amount in 2020 would be $131 million that he made off this movie. Oh, my God.
1: He was rolling in
0: it. <laughs> Somebody had to have gotten fired from that. <laughs> Uh, on its initial release, Psycho broke box office records in Canada, France, Japan, South America, the United Kingdom, and the United States. It was the second highest grossing film of 60 behind Spartacus. So you can imagine being the guy at Paramount Pictures that said, fuck this movie, let it burn, it's not going to do anything, and then it becomes the second highest grossing film of that year and then made that much money. They, oh my God. <laughs> Uh, Every theater that showed this movie had a cardboard cutout installed in the lobby of Hitchcock pointing to his wristwatch with a note saying the manager of this theater has been instructed at the risk of his life not to admit to the theater any persons after the picture starts. Any spurious attempts to enter by side doors, fire escapes, or ventilation shafts will be met by force. Uh, the entire object, objective of this exnor- extraordinary policy, of course, was is to help you enjoy Psycho more, uh, you know, and then it was signed off, Alfred Hitchcock. Now, for record, before Hitchcock, before this movie, movie theaters would play shows on rotation all day long, and people would frequently come in in the middle of one movie oh, yeah. or, and mm. then stay to the middle of the next showing and then uh, leaving when they came in. So basically, they'd play the same movie on rotation throughout the day. You just came in whatever and fucked off whenever. Mm. Uh, but Hitchcock made all that the movie theaters sign a contract that they would not let anyone into the start of the film and once they were late, they would not be let in until the next showing. This started formalizing the whole process of mandatory seating times that we continue to have today. Yeah. So this movie actually made movies uh, the way they are now as far as like having definite starting times.
1: Yeah. I mean, <laughs> I can't imagine how distracting that would be. <laughs>
0: Well, they didn't care back in the day because most of those movies were, like you were saying, romance movies. They yeah. were war movies. Uh, the plot didn't fucking matter. You were just basically watching, you know, John Wayne get up there and, well, oh, I'm going to take you out, Pilgrim. You know, like that yeah. bullshit. Like, the, you know, they, they didn't give a shit. But, you know, Hitchcock had a point. If you did not watch the beginning of this movie and you came partway in— A, you didn't know what the fuck was going on, but B, none of the impact of Marion uh, (coughs) Crane getting killed had any impact at all because you wouldn't invest in their character at that point.
1: Yeah. (laughs) Um,
0: On the initial release of Psycho, theater owners feared that they would lose business due to the film's no late admission policy, uh, they did not want to turn customers away. To the theater owner's surprise, long lines of people started forming outside the movie theaters hours in advance of the screening of the film, and people were patiently waiting in line to see it. Wow. So this movie was big time. Like yeah. People were like, we heard this fucking movie is insane. We want to watch it. We don't care what the policies are for it. <laughs> uh, for a shot looking up into the water stream of the showerhead, uh, Hitchcock had a six-foot diameter showerhead made. And then blocked the central jet so that the water sprayed in the cone past the camera lens without any water spraying directly on the camera itself. So that's crazy to think about when you're seeing that scene of the shower head itself uh, pouring the water down onto the camera. You're actually looking at a six foot wide shower head I that can't. was made specifically for that.
1: Yeah, I can't I can't imagine that.
0: Uh, on set, uh, Hitchcock would always refer to Anthony Perkins as Master Bates. Uh-huh. Uh, uh, and he did have a reputation for harassing male and female cast members like this. So he intentionally said that the way that he did. Um, according to, uh, Stefan Ribello, author of Hitchcock and the Making of Psycho, Hitchcock was displeased with the performance of Gavin, like I said, and referred to Gavin as the stiff, you know, after the movie, which he's right. He, he kind of was the worst one in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> The movie, in large part, was made because Hitchcock was fed up with the big budget, star-studded movies he had recently been making, and wanted to experiment with a more efficient, sparser style of television filmmaking. Uh, he hired the crew that he used on his TV show, and uh, specifically, uh, uh, Vertigo was the one that was later held. Uh, that was later held. As a masterpiece was was the one that kind of made him want to do this because it was considered a bloated, over budgeted misfire. Um. Hitchcock decided to scale things back for this movie. Also, during the same period, his rival, French New Wave and Noir detective or uh, director Henry uh, Georges Clazout, hit the bullseye and created a critical box office sensation with Diab- Diabolique or whatever. And then uh, all the critics said that Clazout had out Hitchcocked Hitchcock, and this made Hitchcock, you know, present him with a, uh, a you know, basically a threat that he could not turn down. So since his, uh, you know, rival made a small, gritty, black and white, uh, independent movie, he said, the fuck I can't do this. And he did the same thing.
1: Okay. <laughs> I wouldn't call it small grade, but okay.
0: Um, to ensure the people were in the theaters at the start of the movie rather than walking partway through, the studio provided a record to play in the foyer of the theaters. The album featured background music occasionally interrupted by a voice saying, 10 minutes to psycho time, five minutes to psycho time, <laughs> and so on. Wow. Wow. <laughs> One of the reasons Hitchcock shot the movie in black and white was he thought it would be too gory in color. Uh, but the main reason was he wanted to make it as cheap as possible. Uh, yeah. He also uh, wondered if, many, uh, if so many bad, inexpensively made black and white B-movies did so well at the box office, what would happen if a really good, inexpensively made black and white movie was made? So that was him again being cocky. He was like, well, these other fucking movies are terrible, and they're in black and white, and they still make a ton of money, so yeah. why not this one? Uh, Janet Lee received threatening letters after the movie's release, detailing the th- what they would like to do to Marion Crane. One was so grotesque that she, it was passed on to the FBI, and the culprits were discovered. Uh, and the FBI said that uh, she would uh, notify them again if she ever received any uh, uh, any more letters. Damn. So yeah, people people saw her in the shower scene, and they started sending her stuff like, "I oh, don't know what I fucking do to you, bitch." You know, basically wow. that's. The novel upon which this movie was based was inspired by the true story of Ed Gein, uh, as we said, uh, who was uh, also the inspiration for Deranged, Confessions of a Necrophile in 74, uh, which might be the movie I'll cover for The Chainsaw. I was wondering what movie I might cover for that, and that sounds like a good one. Uh, chainsaw Massacre and the, and the Silence of the Lambs. Eesh. The amount of – what was that?
1: I just said <laughs>
0: The amount of cash Marion stole, forty thousand dollars and six in nineteen sixty, would have been equivalent to now it's three hundred fifty two thousand twenty twenty. Okay. Uh, the seven hundred dollars difference that she paid when trading in her car uh, would be about six thousand dollars. So, I guess they were close with yeah. the money they had in the cycle remake. But still, that was in nineteen ninety eight. So even then, it yeah. was. I mean, I think they were still overinflating.
1: Way, way, yeah. <laughs> but they won't press the charges. charges the car- it's okay. <laughs> <laughs>
0: In the novel, the character of Marion was Mary Crane. Uh, The name was changed because the studio legal department found two real people named Mary Crane that lived in Phoenix, Arizona, where Marion was supposed to be from. Okay. (laughs) Uh, Joseph Stefano was adamant about seeing a toilet on screen (laughs) to display realism. He also wanted to see it flush. Hitchcock told him to make, uh, it, it, it told him that he had to make it so through his writing if he wanted to see it. So Stefano wrote the scene in which Marion adds up the money, then flushes the the paper down the toilet specifically, so that the toilet flushing scene was integral to the scene and therefore irremovable. This was the first American movie and possibly first fictional movie ever to show a toilet flushing on screen, and that's a big thing because the censors fucking threw a fit over this oh, like, a over a, a toilet, toilet flushing. In 60, Yes, they said it was vulgar, and they they tried to throw it out. I'll show you vulgar.
1: <laughs> oh, my. Okay, th- she's walking around with her titties, hanging out, at- well, not hanging out, but in her bra, and they have a problem with a toilet, which, by the way, has got to be the weakest flush ever. Everything now flushes with force, probably in part because of the foods that we eat, but that's regardless, okay?
0: Okay. <laughs> Uh, yeah. I was uh, like, is that paper going to make
1: I, it down there?
0: Yeah, I, I, I saw that and I'm like, that's fucking ridiculous. I don't know why he wanted to toilet in the scene first of all. That's that's weird, but hey, I mean, you know, we all got our kinks. I'm not shaming <laughs> the dude, but, you know, that's, uh, that. but uh, the fact that that was a big time vul- vulgarity in their time, just uh, stupid.
1: Isn't there a scene in this is 40? Where she's literally like walking to the bathroom, looking all sexy, takes off her robe, sits on the toilet and just starts shatting right in front of her husband
0: well probably but there's a scene in psycho uh, uh let's see was it two or three i think it was in three yeah where there's a mm. uh, character comes up to jet or this lady who's staying at the hotel she's not a bad looking woman comes up to jeff fahey and's like you got a toilet around here and he's like yeah in the room in there and i don't know if it's a callback to this or not but she goes in there and i mean you can hear her pissing <laughs> i'm just like boy have times changed yeah. <laughs> yeah
1: look at us now we can shit and piss on screen not that, but I, I
2: don't know if you Ever seen the movie? I hope they hurt. I hope they serve beer in hell with a part
0: where he gets dosed with a laxative.
2: <laughs> no, but remember nightmare. when we talked about
0: uh, that? Reminds me, remember we talked about uh, poultry guys and that there's a whole <laughs> scene where he goes to the oh, bathroom and covers the whole entire thing in shit, yeah, you know?
1: <laughs> or Dumb and Dumber yeah. or Bridesmaids. If
2: they had seen an Andrew Kaufman movie
0: back then, they would lose their mind. <laughs> Yeah, Lloyd Kaufman would have fucking uh, destroyed them back in the day. You'd be like fuck your censors. I don't give a shit. Uh, or maybe I do, like a literal shit. Like that's what you're going to be seeing on on the screen. According to Janet Leigh, uh, the uh, wardrobe worn by her character Marion Crane was not custom made, but rather purchased off the rack oh. uh, from an art, uh, ordinary clothing store. Uh, Hitchcock wanted uh, women viewers to see her as an identifiable character, you oh. know, and clothes that an uh, ordin- ordinary secretary would wear. I still think that she. Uh, She felt kind of dressy in the movie. I don't know. Well, everybody was dressing in the movie. Yeah,
1: we talked about that that back in the day.
0: Yeah, Everybody
2: just looked presentable. (laughs) Nowadays, you show up and everybody's in their pajamas at the hotel and it's like.
0: They just. I mean, you're l- you're lucky if you're not in a unicorn onesie, at, you know, yeah. out and about.
1: <laughs> <laughs> and here's the thing about Janet Lee too is she can make something off the racks of Walmart look amazing. So she was a
0: gorgeous woman. Yeah, she she was. I mean, there was, was nothing relatable in, uh, about her. She wasn't even bad looking, really, for her age in the fog when we covered that. I mean, no. it was kind of. I felt kind of bad for Jamie Lee Curtis because her mom looked better than she did in that movie. Oh,
1: damn. <laughs> He's at it. <laughs>
0: uh, shooting wrapped on February 1st, 1960, nine days over schedule. A rough cut was finished by April, at which point uh, Hitchcock was convinced his experiment had failed. He was ready to cut the movie down to a television episode, but handed it to Herman the score. And after he saw the completed movie with the music, he was pleased enough and said, let's p- make it, you know, a fucking movie and just uh, roll with it. So he actually was just going to like write this off until he saw it with the music. That's still that music's, you know, integral to the movie. It has to be there. It doesn't work without
1: it. He was most um, pleased. Yeah. $15
0: million dollars later.
1: Well, yeah. And then he upped the dude's uh, cut to 30,000. So the guy was only going to get like right, right around fifteen, sixteen thousand 16,000
2: for the, for the book. For, yeah. No,
1: the music score. Uh, and then the music. Yeah.
2: yeah. I wonder if you ever hooked a guy did. up with the book uh, other than the nine, nine thousand you give him. <laughs> no, I think he screwed Block on that, but you know, hey, whatever.
0: <laughs> yeah, but even nine thousand. I love the fact that he bought up all the copies that were out there; those so the people couldn't read. It. It's like I want to see what this fucking psycho moves about. It's like, no, you ain't bitch because yeah. there's no copies for you to buy. The yeah.
1: fuck you are. <laughs>
0: Uh, according to biographers, Hitchcock had troubled relationship with his own domine- domineering mother, who, like Mrs. Bates, forced him to stand at the foot of her bed and tell her everything that had happened to him, Whoa. although the real relationship was not as disturbed as seen in the movie. so
1: Wow. I don't know. Yeah. He grew up pretty dark. I mean, <laughs> what is he not telling?
0: Well, and the funny thing is, Hitchcock had a bad history of... of very much sexually and and verbally abusing his female leads, he always made sure that he got super attractive women. Like the, the lady Tippi Hedren that played in the Birds is a fucking gorgeous woman, mm. and he fucking beat her down every time. She would come into the studio, and he's like, Are "You really wearing that? You look like dog shit today." That's basically what he said to her every Hell time yeah.
2: she came in. <laughs> take him down a couple. So- <laughs>
0: And there was a scene toward the end of the birds movie where uh, she's supposed to be in the attic and there's these birds that that fly down and attack her. Well, he never told her that he had live birds actually in there. And she walked into the scene and they fucking scratched her face like they legit attacked her. So... Now, she came out of it all and said that she still liked him as an individual. Wow. That he was one of the best directors she ever worked with, even with all that. So, the man had game. I'll give him that much. I mean.
1: Okay. Or was it <laughs> she'll never work in Hollywood again if she badmouths him?
0: Well, even after he died, though, she never said anything oh. bad about him, which was weird. Hmm. Uh, but. I just wonder if he treated women like, or the women in his movies like that because he fucking hated his mom so much. <laughs> like,
1: <laughs> he had mommy issues.
0: Well, not that, but if, uh, if you really think about a lot of these, anybody
2: in Hollywood, whether it be a guy or girl, even back then, they had a pretty high pain in themselves, and he just probably saw as an opportunity. Let me kick the stool out a little bit.
0: Yeah, well, that's true. Um We've already covered the stuff about that psychiatrist being uh, a scene that he absolutely hated. So I'll move on from that. Yep. Uh, in his in famous interviews with Hitchcock, uh, Francois Truffaut, uh, who was a fan of the movie, commented that the scenes with the sheriff were a letdown. Hitchcock replied, "The sheriff's in- in- intervention comes under the heading of." what we've discussed many times before, why don't they go to the police? I've always replied, they don't go to the police because it's dull. And here's a perfect example of what happens when they go to the police. So literally what Hitchcock is saying here is that, fuck you all for bringing it up every time I make a movie. And they're always like, where's the police? Why didn't you go to the police? It's like, fuck you all. I put a policeman in there and I made him dull as shit so that you would stop asking me this.
1: Oh my God.
0: (laughs) In your face. His, uh, Hitchcock's wife later stated in interviews that her husband had a huge distrust of police. And that is part of the reason that about the creepy state trooper in the movie, Uh, he, he, he legitimately didn't like policemen at all. Oh my God. So there you go. Uh, Perkins was paid $40,000 for his role, which is the exact amount that Marion Crane embezzles in the movie, which is kind of interesting.
1: Yeah, it was in the Uh, car in the swamp. There it is. Anthony Perkins, go get it. (laughs)
0: <laughs> there's your money go get it yeah. film 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 yeah
1: Masterpiece. uh
0: the film has been rated and re-rated over the years it start. it was pg when it first came out folks wow then they gave it a pg they gave it a pg 13 then it moved to a 15 and now it is rated an art uh, it's rated r movie it was so. it was
2: pg until they saw the toilet part and
0: they're like okay okay
1: hold on, hold wait on.
0: <laughs> we gotta really this is a little too much uh, yeah, you can't have that toilet flushing, everybody. Uh, Perkins was the first choice for the part of Norman Bates. He was the, he was actually the one that the Hitchcock wanted. Uh, Kim Stanley noted uh, actor-studio legend was offered the role of Lila, but turned it down due to her personal reservations about working with Anthony Perkins. Why? And... I didn't, I, they never went into details about it, but apparently she didn't want to work with Anthony. I don't, and I don't, uh, and uh, I mean, it could have been some kind of homophobic stuff because, I mean, a lot yeah. of people knew that Anthony Perkins was gay even back then, but, like, you know, it was one of those things you kept hush-hush, you know? Yeah. So maybe she didn't like that about him. I don't know.
1: I found it hilarious his wife fucking knew. <clears> and she's just like, he, <laughs> he's gay, but he wants to be straight, so it's all good.
2: <laughs> he did go to uh, Bernard conversion treatment. What was that? I said he did go to conversion treatment therapy.
1: Wow, that had to have been back Oh, that back is true. <laughs> uh,
0: Bernard Herman related how the shots of Marion driving away after taking the money looked very ordinary. Hitchcock thought of uh, having the uh, soundtrack convey anxious voices in her head to add to the action and tension. Herman noted, however, that it still didn't work until he suggested bringing back the main title music. And all in all, uh, Hitchcock was delighted when he saw the cut of the movie. I, st- I still think that that, that that does make, when she's driving down the road and that do you know, that little yeah. musical thing that from the beginning, that really does play into it. I like it, yeah. And I don't... I love the, and also, I mean, they didn't do it as well in the colored version. Of course, they didn't do most of the things as good. But that scene where she's driving down the road and it's just piss pouring the rain. Oh, yeah. Like, I mean, they did a good job of making it like, you know, it's like, fuck, pull over, lady. I mean, I can't fucking see. I know you can't trying to drive, you know. <laughs>
2: in an like old that's... ass piece of shit car from the 50s. Yeah. Yeah. No yeah. good headlights.
1: I swear that when I'm at ni- driving at night in the rain, I swear that's what it looks like when it's raining. Heavy. I fucking hate it. So it was, it was real for me.
0: Uh, Multiple characters in Halloween, which we'll be covering uh, this season, are inspired by this movie. Uh, Jamie Lee Curtis was cast as the heroine of of Halloween because, uh, you know, John Carpenter loved Psycho so much. And, you know, hey, I'm working with Janet Lee's daughter in this one. Yeah. Uh, He was... uh, Uh, also Sam Loomis is the name or Dr. Loomis is named after Sam Loomis from, you know, John Gavin's character. Yeah. Uh, the name of Marion Chambers uh, is the, is also the name of the nurse that's in Halloween. Obviously inspired by Marion from this movie. And, uh, Billy Loomis, the killer from scream was inspired by Sam Loomis. Psycho. (laughs) Uh, and also Bates High School and Carrie is inspired by Norman Bates and Psycho. So there's a lot of movies to reference back to this one. In Halloween H2o 20 years later Janet Lee drove a 1950s car similar to Marion Cranes which when revealed part of the psycho theme is played oh my God that's pretty fucking cool yeah so so I mean they they did a callback in h2o to this movie with her and I can't uh, believe except for that. some shots filmed on back roads in Southern California, the scenes of Marion fleeing Phoenix, this movie was filmed on a back lot at universal. According to various sources, Paramount either had no space available or refused to give Hitchcock any. I think that's probably the, the more common thing. They didn't want this movie to succeed. So they probably didn't give Hitchcock any, you know, space. they're like, fuck you. You're not getting any place to film it either. Uh at any rate, he was happy to work with Universal, where his crew regularly filmed it worked on his TV series. So that's kind of how Universal got involved in all this.
1: Well, as we've seen Man, firsthand, Paramount. Universal Studios is pretty fucking amazing and still is. <laughs> I mean And
0: and Paramount really fucked themselves. Out. I mean, all the way around. They were like, Fuck you, Alfred Hitchcock, you're not getting anything for this. And he's like, All right, fine. You don't yeah. think the movie's that good that <laughs> <laughs> Um Tony Curtis, Janet Lee's husband at the time, and Jamie Lee's father, uh, claimed in his autobiography that the film's success and the fact that all anyone wanted to talk to to her about was uh, was the shower scene drove his wife to drink, which eventually eventually led to Janet Lee's breakdown and their divorce. So he might have been adding on a little much there, but whatever. I mean, that's what that's that's his words, and he's sticking to it.
1: Hmm. <laughs> um, I don't know. <clears throat>
0: Hitchcock had not intended this film to be set at Christmas, which I did not realize until I was reading these, these notes, uh, as established uh, by the date and the titles following the opening credits. Uh, even then, the film was shot in the Southwest. At, uh, even though the film was shot in the Southwest that time of year and the characters were dressed for it, there was nothing in the story to connect it with Christmas. But after discovering the Christmas decorations on the street behind Marion's boss as he crosses in front of her car during the flight of Phoenix and knowing it was too late to reshoot, the scene, the director reluctantly set the date to the holiday season. So oh my technically, God. just like Die Hard, Psycho Shut is a Christmas up. movie.
1: Oh my God. <laughs> Hell
0: yeah. <laughs> and that so is a Weapon Christmas for those stuff. keeping notes. <laughs> Uh, The record on Norman's turntable is Beethoven's Eroica. It was originally dedicated to Napoleon, but when Napoleon declared himself not to be for the Republic, but an emperor, Beethoven felt betrayed and angrily inked out the dedication on his manuscript. One might consider the Norman's mother remarrying and turning her attention to her husband would be seen by Norman as the worst kind of betrayal. So Hitchcock worked in a little bit of that history. And I think that's kind of cool that he did that. Yeah. Uh, Things you've never noticed. The set buildings for the Bates Motel and the Bates Residence were constructed in Universal's back lot. They used the same stage, which is once being used for the classic horror film, The Phantom of the Opera, filmed in 25.
1: You know, <clears throat> I always wanted to know because we go to the Bates house and take photos every, well, so far every year, the past few years, is uh, what does the inside of that house look like? like it's a I, show house. I know it is, but like, it'd be so cool just to be able to. I, you know
2: what I'm <laughs> super curious about? is after the movie was completed, finalized and before went into um um into theaters did anybody for the for the studio watch it and then realize holy shit or they, or did they watch it like oh this is a pile of shit like it cuz i think a lot of these people don't have the pulse a lot of times
1: well universal it was <laughs> just allowing them to do shoot there so universal was know, probably but, like this is awesome but somebody
2: some exec had
0: to Paramount
1: watch it was Still probably paramount
0: like, and, and and even then they they fucked over the movie because they were the ones that stepped in and said, uh, you know, people are gonna understand what the fuck you're doing here with this guy dressed up in the you know, women's clothing and all that. Won't you give us about five minutes worth of dialogue with some guy just bullshitting about matricide and all that? That I mean that was deliberately paramount inserting all that shit into the end of the movie. That yeah, was them. It was so
1: useless. Which,
2: yeah, that was useless.
1: <laughs> I don't know. I'm sure Universal saw it and was like, fuck yeah, this is awesome. And Paramount was like, yeah,
0: this sucks. I mean, time and time again, this proves that that Hollywood is the weirdest fucking thing, you know, because the combination between art and business, like they don't really go together that well because the business people, they just see numbers. And when they see a movie that's actually good, Nine times out of ten, they don't fucking, they, they can't pick, they're like, I don't understand what the big deal is about this movie. And then it blows up, and then they're like, well, I guess we should have fucking gave them some more money to make this better. And it's like, yeah, because no. yeah, you're fucking no. stupid.
2: But a lot of times, those movies do good because they didn't get the money. They had to make it work. Well, that is yeah. true.
0: Limitations do make them, uh, you know, be more creative in a lot of yeah, cases. I mean, and mean, that's fog the reason is a that prime example to make it. this the way he did was because it would force him to be as creative as possible on the budget.
1: If nothing else... I think that the studio, it, they're not upset. Like, oh, we should have gave them more money. The studio is probably like, fuck, we should have took more money.
2: Yes, well, <laughs> yeah, that's because true. very much so. they didn't
1: get any back end. To pay, I mean, the, so. but
2: the fog, no. the fog is a prime example of that because that was a shoestring kind of just winging it, making do with oh, what yeah, he had. they
0: fucking knocked it out of the park. Yeah,
1: <laughs> Diddy.
0: Um, the opposite of all yeah. this though would be the new the, would be the new Halloween movies because. They literally they they only uh, budgeted they only greenlit the Halloween 2018, and then whenever it knocked it out of the park as far as the sales, Universal came back and said uh, you got any more? Just almost like the Dave Chappelle crack character off yeah. of the Chappelle show. Yeah, got like, any more? You but... Got any more of those Halloween movies? And they're like, fuck yeah, we do. And then they came out with shit. Yeah. So I mean, you get what you pay for in a sense, I guess, with that.
1: But so. <laughs> on the flip side, people are paying to see those movies.
0: Well, that is true. They 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 both made money. So I Whether, mean, even the yeah. shit ones of the new trilogy.
1: Whether or not, <clears> excuse <throat> me, they're liking them. People are paying to see them. So well, it new
0: oh, one. And, any and good? The Halloween ends. Uh, I, there's parts about Halloween ends that I love because it swung for the fences, but it was the wrong movie to end the series on and everybody will around will tell you that even the people that liked what they did, they should, they made the movies the opposite way of the way they did them. They should have made Halloween ends. The plot that they used in that movie should have been the first movie and Halloween 2018 should have been the last movie. And the last thing you should have seen was Jamie Lee Curtis locking his ass down in that basement and setting fire to him. That should have been the way that the movies ended instead of the way that we got them. <clears throat> it would have made a totally better series that way if they would have done it that way and people would probably have been praising them if they if they had done that. There's people actually out there talking about making a fan cut where they do reverse the movies that way. Oh, oh that would be awesome. Did you ever watch
2: the fan cut of the um of the second uh Star Wars movie of the series the 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 hell was it? There was a Force Awakens and what was the second one?
0: Uh Return of the Jedi. No,
2: no, 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 no. And on the newer ones
0: the Force Awakens was the War- last Jedi, or was it? Was that the name of the last? Jedi? Yeah, the last yeah, Jedi that was the name of it. Did you ever see the fan yeah.
2: cut of that one? No, I didn't. They basically fan cutted it, restructured the movie, took all the stupid space um, chase out of it, removed a lot of the women <laughs> from the equation. Wow. Yeah, and it made the movie. It so the movie is like only an hour long, but it's an, an awesome. It turned the entire movie around. They forced, on, they forced it around where Ray, Ray was doing a ton of training the whole time and the that
0: space. Uh, oh, so, yeah, so she's no longer a Mary Sue, which makes it a thousand times better. It does.
2: And then they, they make <clears throat> it where the chase goes on for like months. So it gives that, and, and it kind of works really good with that. And they're slowly running out of fuel.
0: They did the they did something similar to the uh, prequels, the Lucas prequels. They they cut all those movies up and they what they did was they took just the the, the story bits out of uh, the Phantom Menace and the parts people like you know like the Duel of Fates with uh, Darth Maul and all that, and then they cut in you know they they spliced it into a, Attack of the Clones and then they and then they you know they they did the what was the last movie in that series I can't even remember now whatever Revenge uh, of the Sith the. Yeah, yeah, they they took that one and then they cut it up in a different way and they made them and and people praise those movies. They say they're a lot better that way because they they actually give a lot back to the the political story that that he was trying to imply in the movies, but without all the horrible acting that he got from the actors because you know George Lucas kept fucking direct people to save his goddamn life. So there you yeah. go. I like, mean, that's how, the that books was. did a
2: good job of conveying <laughs> the political side of it. They go deep into the the, the trade issues before they. It goes like two books back prior to the trade um, things going sour, and it shows how the the banking um, the banking um, I, where are they where are the bankers where were they called in that movie? I'm trying to think of what, what uh, the the banking trade. was the Trade
0: Federation. I don't really remember much yeah. about it other like than the that. Books, I don't mean to be perfectly. But, honest but the books with you.
2: go into detail on how Naboo was like a, a a backwoods dung planet, and the Trade Federation came in with a ton of dollars because of plasma that was on the planet. And they and they funded the entire structural building of all the the things to get the plasma on the ground so they can sell it into the into the galaxy. And Naboo made a ton of money, and built this giant king empire off of those dollars. But you don't ever get that when you just watch the movies. You're like, yeah, they're it's Naboo, like an established. But no, they were like a backwoods podunk, it had nothing going on, nothing to offer the universe. And then the Trade Federation realized they had the plasma, and they. They cut them in on a huge chunk of the money they were making selling it in the market. Yeah, it's they did a really good job if you read the books.
1: We are on death holler. This is not the back to tank.
0: (laughs) Whatever. Well, but it all goes to show it goes back to like Kubrick did. I mean, the fuck shining is fucking amazing. When you look at it from just the editing of it and movies are made in the editing room. And I mean, like, you know, you can, you can attract, I mean, or, or add to a movie based upon how you cut it. So, I mean, you know, and there there's art to that. They say that, uh, uh, Carpenter going back to him is an expert at editing movies. Like he's really good at like trimming the fat from a lot of his. That's why a lot of his movies were, are so beloved because he, you know, he was just, he was as good as an editor as he was a director is what a lot of people have said about him. Um, psycho was one of the last major productions in Hollywood to be released in black and white. It was released in 60 and 61 was last year in which the majority of Hollywood films were released in black and white. Wow, uh, We talked about, we talked about how um, you know Spider Baby was in '67 in black and white, but that it was a it, it was a movie that was released and no fanfare whatsoever. Like I mean, it came out and it went, and that was it. So I mean, you know, by that time people were just like, nope, we're we're on the color now." <clears throat> you, you know, the know what got me? Produced then.
2: Oh, sorry about that. Go I'll, ahead. I was gonna make a comment. Watching Psycho two after watching Psycho one, you've seen the giant gap, the giant change in culture radically like you can see how it went from like a very like prim and proper to within a span of like 30 years a drastic difference and how everything and the funny
0: thing is too in psycho too going on on what you're saying uh norman bates uh is it's even more it's even harder for him to reconnect with because he's still acting yes the prim and proper way from the 60s or the 50s that, you know, when he was raised up and he's not used to, and I mean, it's even worse for his sexual repression because he's, you know, you got these loose women, you know, in his, you know, view or whatever, all around him now, because in the 80s, you know, that's, that's, you know, sexual revolution came through and all that stuff. So it's, it, he's a man out of time in that movie.
2: Oh yeah. I know <laughs> that, but the hotel's like a drug, like yeah. a drug, uh,
1: um, it's a whorehouse. Yeah, it's a
0: trap. <laughs> <dance>. Yeah. <laughs> it's basically a trap house. <laughs> um this film was produced at the end of janet lee's seven-year contract with paramount in which she uh, signed in 53 she owed them one more film to fulfill the terms of her contract and psycho was the film they offered to her again because they were like fuck everybody yeah. involved in this uh she agreed to appear in the film for a quarter of her usual fee being paid only twenty-five thousand dollars for the movie wow um Psycho's daily filming started in the morning and typically finished by 6 p.m. on Thursdays. Uh, uh, but on Thursdays, film director uh, Hitchcock uh, insisted on terminating filming at an earlier hour. He did not want to miss his weekly visit with his wife at the Aww. restaurant Chasen's. So that was nice of him, even if he wasn't asked everybody yeah. else. <laughs> Much of the film was shot with a 50 millimeter lens on a 35 millimeter camera. And the reason for this is it provides an angle of view similar to human vision, which was intended to give the audience a sense of involvement. So they used a wider lens to make it more human-like so that you felt like you were in the the killer's vision. Yeah, I think that worked really well. Yeah, it was it was a really good trick. I, I think they. I mean, it's it's little tricks like that that I find interesting about these movies.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <clears throat> in the film, the Bates' main residence was based on the painting "House by the Railroad," 1925, by Edward Hopper. The cartoonist Charles Adams used the same painting as the source of the drawing for the Adams Family <gasps> Mansion in his comic strip "Adams Family." Um, and I got a picture in the notes there Yeah, to look at it just kind of look at the house. It looks like it. I mean, I, I get where they came from with yeah,
1: it. Yeah. It looks, I mean, <clears throat> you could tell that that's the Adams family resident, but it's, uh, take away the taller piece. And then you have, uh, what do you call it? The, the Bates, Bates house. Yep. <laughs>
0: Lead actors Anthony Perkins and Janet Leigh were encouraged to improvise on how they would interpret the characters. The main limitation was that no improvisation could involve moving the camera. So they, you know, they couldn't, you know, uh, they had to stay within the shots that Hitchcock, because he was very particular about what his shots looked like. So, which, I mean, that's what a director should do, honestly. Yeah. The scene at the real estate office where uh, Marion works uh, required a number of retakes. Uh, Janet Lee had problems improperly using the term inordinately during the scene. And I find that hilarious because um, there's a movie later on, and and now they bleed together, so I don't remember which one it is, where Norman, I think it's in Psycho 4, and he tells somebody, well, not inordinately, and and they make a comment. They're like, that's a funny word, and and he keeps reusing it through the movie. So they work that back in that, you know, Marion said at the beginning of this first movie.
1: That's hella funny. I'd have a hard time saying that.
0: <laughs> Various news sources have falsely reported that Marley Renfro, Janet Lee's body double, was eventually murdered. Renfro was actually still alive in 2017. The news reports confused her with Myra Davis, who had briefly served as a stand-in for Janet Lee in order to check lighting in preparation for filming a scene. Hmm. Davis was murdered in 88 by one of her neighbors.
1: Damn,
0: which is kind of crazy. Was
1: Davis also a uh, a <clears throat> classically trained, uh nude photo or nude model
0: i don't know that she was not like renfro <laughs> uh
1: they used a body double that was a playboy model to do uh janet lee's scenes in the shower and i'm like why she had a beautiful body well she just didn't want to be naked in front of everyone even though she was ass naked on the she mat
0: being anyway yes. and there she is drinking herself yeah to death yep <laughs> While entrusting the shooting of various film footage and minor scenes to assistants, Hitchcock insisted that he had to personally, this is like, he had to personally direct that shower. Scene. Oh, I'm sure he did.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> I,
2: I can, uh, I can just see him, him. I can just see him standing behind the, the, the plastic shower curtain
0: jerking off by the scenes <laughs> going on. <laughs> <laughs> and he and he was very he was very I mean his wife was not that attractive first of all nothing to her, against her but I'm seeing her in interviews and she she almost looked like a, a female version of him to be oh, yeah, honest Oh, you're going to say weird. that. Damn. <laughs> but uh, he was—he had a type. I mean, Tippi Hedren, Janet Leigh, yeah. they all had that—that that, you know that that look. I mean, they all looked the same. So I know what his kink was because he clearly—I mean, just like Tarantino with the feet thing. Yeah, he—he he had that classic Hollywood kink or whatever. According to Janet Lee, though, I was in that shower for seven days, and believe me, Alfred Hitchcock was right next to his camera for every one of those 70 odd shots.
1: Oh my god. Film three
2: hours, used two minutes. Was <laughs> the rest of the footage Joe? We lost it.
0: Mind your business. Psycho was considered unusual for its depiction of gender nonconformity. Uh, Bates has two distinct personalities, one masculine, one feminine. When in the feminine personality is when it's when the feminine and is dominant. He dresses in women's clothing and refers to himself to be female. So there's that. So, and like I said, I still think that's weird that it's an issue now that he was a tra- considered a transvestite and it's an issue back then, but for two totally different reasons.
1: Okay. I'm going to point out <laughs> something when, okay. He had just invited, uh, Marion to sandwiches at his house and he goes home. And the first thing he does is he looks upstairs and he, flutters upstairs um he absolutely looks fruity in the booty when he's going upstairs did you notice and that? that's
0: that's supposed to be yeah that's supposed to be and then that's a that's a good catch on your behalf that's supposed to be him disappearing into the mother role at that okay point. Like, which makes I sense mean, because
1: she specifically starts talking about him being fruity or she brings up the word fruity while they're having yeah, their she conversation does say fruity
0: at one point yes yeah. she does say that right after that, that scene. Was weird
1: yeah and i was like holy crap dude like he literally sashayed up the stairs and i was like <laughs> he gay as fuck sorry
0: but but she says something similar to him in psycho 4 which i know that's a retcon movie but she she deliberately she's like do you like dressing up in your little you know clo- women's clothing or whatever like she's you know she's yeah. Negging him, even though she's the one that forces him to dress that way. It's a weird relationship they had.
1: Ooh, ooh, slight uh, change of subject, but not really. You know whose mom used to make him dress up in women's clothing? I know you know this because I think we heard the same interview. Inside of you, Michael Rosenbaum.
0: Oh, yes. It was uh, Misha Collins. Yes.
1: His mom oh, used God, to make that him. That
0: was a weird. Yes.
1: Weird, Castiel. He's
0: one step away from being Norman Bates. I didn't even think oh about that. Right he now. really
1: is, dude. He had a really weird upbringing with his mom. I oh, really
0: fucked up. And he, and, and he goes back in, and he defends his mom just yes. like Norman would defend his mother. It's like, she, she couldn't do any better. She was a single mother. What do you expect? Um, I mean, it's like,
1: yeah, not that. <laughs> it's like, I mean, good on her for finding them an abandoned warehouse to live in, like to squat in. That's one thing. Okay. Making your son dress up in women's or girls' clothing, not okay.
2: Well, it's hard to tell him to all the other homeless people him, if he looks like a dude.
0: And making him grow his hair out real long. Oh, yeah. I saying that. Yeah. yeah. Oh, my
1: God. Anyways, okay.
0: Creepy. Psycho is considered emblematic of the erosion of the Hays Code censorship standards that were uh, uh, during the 60s. Uh, the censorship board was has which examined Psycho protested the depiction of intimacy between Sam Loomis and Marion Crane and unmarried married couple. Uh, oh, oh. Hitchcock offered to reshoot the scenes with the presence of censors on the film set to examine the scenes firsthand. All the censors declined to volunteer working on the set of Psycho and the scenes were kept despite their initial protest. So basically (laughs) he called their bluff and said, fine, come over here and watch me film it then. And they're like, I don't have anything to do with that. Distasteful movie.
1: Uh Like
2: nobody was fucking outside of wedlock back then.
0: It's insane. No one. Well, that's the reason I say that 98 remake is so fucking stupid because it's got the same concept at the beginning of it. Them being out of wedlock. And I'm like, who in ninety eight gave a two fucks about being our wedlock? Yeah, I mean, we just came out of the eighties doing a ton of blow. What are we even talking about? <laughs> Psycho was reportedly the first mainstream movie to depict a flushing toilet. The censor standards of the time prohibited the depiction of flushing toilets on screen. I don't know why. By
1: whoosh. <laughs>
0: Uh, Hitchcock decided not to have private screenings of Psycho for professional film critics against the industry standards of the time. Film critics had to wait to see the film along with the general public.
1: Fucking peasants. And...
0: <laughs> and during the initial release of Psycho, lead actors Janet Leigh and Anthony Perkins were prohibited from appearing in any interviews on television, radio, and print because Hitchcock was afraid they would reveal plot elements. And if they had been, and Tom Holland had been alive at the time, he would have fucked to the that fucking up. Movie. Oh my
1: god, that kid has issues.
0: <laughs> he does. He can't keep a secret for anything.
1: He's not allowed to know anything anymore. It's hilarious.
0: The original film trailer of Psycho did not feature Janet Leigh in any way as she was no longer available for filming. In her place, they used Vera Miles. She wore a blonde wig to look like Leigh. So oh if you God. see a trailer for Psycho, it's actually Vera Mills playing Marion Crane in the in the trailer. That's hella funny. During the initial release of Psycho, several critics either described it as a gimmick movie or protested against its content. British film critic uh, Carolyn Alice Lejeune
1: uh,
0: chose to resign from her work and to permanently retire, protesting against the perceived decline of moral standards in the film industry.
1: Oh, it's a good thing she did because it only got worse.
0: (laughs) What a Karen, though! It's like I absolutely refuse to do this job any longer, and I will not pay any kind of. (laughs) I mean, that is all right, Carol.
1: Good God. (laughs)
0: In the film, a Norman is revealed to be keeping his childhood toys and stuffed animals in his bedroom. This is seen as part oh, yeah. of his unwillingness or inability to move from the, the past.
1: Yeah, that was kind so of... his mom... That was cool to see, and that's what also reminded me of that person I told you. not He's not a killer, but he pulls the bodies, and he turns them into dolls.
0: Oh, Yeah. <laughs> I was going to make a comment whenever you said that earlier, and and you'd already moved on. I was I was going to say, you know, make the joke that uh, he took the whole thing about uh, you need to make some friends. Ah! Literally.
1: He, indeed, <laughs> friends were made.
0: Psycho contains reoccurring references to birds in both its dialogue and the images. Marion and Lila's last name is Crane. Yeah. They live in Phoenix. Mm-hmm. Uh, Norman Bates' hobby is stuffing birds mm-hmm. he compares Marion uh, Marion's eating habits to uh, eating like a bird mm-hmm. uh, even though he comments that birds don't actually eat that way and that's kind of when he gets that monotone to his voice during that whole thing yeah and there are pictures of birds in the motel room yes the music score in the film shower scene reportedly had the string instruments emulating bird screeches. So when you hear that, ee, ee, it's supposed to be like birds yeah. screeching as they, they're they attacking, which is funny because he would go on to make the birds and they yeah. do literally that. So I, maybe he's got some kind of bent up hostility against birds. I, maybe he knew that birds were drones back in the day and he was just out <laughs> to kill them or something. <laughs> You all have seen those those things, uh just not to digress, but you've seen that shit, right? Like birds aren't real and all that shit that they come out with. Oh yeah. Conspiracy theory. <laughs> oh my god. That's insane. <laughs> oh uh, th- those people who say that have never been to the South because I've seen some dead birds and they, 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 they I mean, they, they, there's some, I mean, they're rotting folks. I mean, they're, they're made out of organic material. I mean, the government's gotten pretty damn good with their decoys. If that's what they're doing.
1: We eat them every Thanksgiving folks and chicken on every other <laughs> random nights of the week.
0: The composer, Bernard Herman, decided against hiring a full symphonic ensemble for the film score. Uh, he decided and he instead wrote music for a string orchestra, providing the film with an unusual all-string soundtrack. The, the strings played con sordini, uh, which means muted, for all the music other than the shower scene, creating a darker and more intense effect. So the only really music that pops in the movie is literally the shower scene. Wow. Which is effective. Yeah. Yeah. Um, while filming Psycho, Janet Lee was reportedly shocked to realize how vulnerable people are while taking a shower. She subsequently started locking all the doors and windows whenever she had to take a shower <laughs> or bath after filming this movie. If anybody had the right to do that, yeah, I believe it was her. It was
1: her. I don't know. There is something about being in the shower feeling vulnerable, and it's not that I get Physically and sexually assaulted constantly by my own husband <laughs> every time, or
0: by a spirit that's living inside your house and yes. does that. We've established that you don't have that going on.
1: Oh my God! No, it is though. Like you can't, you can't fight when you're naked. You're slippery. I mean. <sighs> you're going down.
0: <laughs> I will give you a flip point though. The scariest motherfuckers out there, especially guys are the ones that will be willing to fight you start or fight you stark naked because they don't give a two no, fucks yeah. about anything. Yeah.
1: Hopefully because I haven't <laughs> lost it completely yet. Hopefully they are so mesmerized by my gorgeous body. They don't keep attacking me. They're just in shock for a minute and then bah got you, bitch. Kick them right in the deck. Gotcha. Bitch. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh, director cameo. Alfred Hitchcock's actually in this movie. At 6 minutes and 35 seconds, he's the man wearing a cowboy hat outside Marion's office.
1: Oh my god. Um, I did not catch that.
0: The reason that he cameos so early in this movie, because he's in most of his movies, yeah. if not all of them, is because he di- he didn't want people to be looking for him for the, throughout the rest of the movie and and divert from the actual plot, oh. you know, Norman's revealing all that. So he wanted to get it over with because he knew people would be like, "Where's Hitchcock?" At kind of like we did used to do in the eighties with Stephen King. It's like, okay, where is he? Which character is he going to be in this movie? Yeah,
1: that's actually you know, pretty it's smart. One of those
0: things. Hitchcock tested the fear factor of mother's corpse by placing it in Janet Lee's dressing room and listening to how loud she screamed when she discovered it. That's fucked up. We need need to test. I'm telling you, he hated women. He loved them, but he hated them.
1: I mean, look at If someone had done that to me on set, I wouldn't be upset. I mean, screaming after I got over the initial fear I, I would have thought it would be hilarious.
2: I wanted to do it to our wife. We got this uh, Vecna. That oh, he somebody, knows.
1: He's seen it. Yeah.
2: I, what I wanted to do, Vic, yeah. I wanted to go pick it up and then uh, put it in the walk-in closet <laughs> and not tell her. And then when she oh, went in there, great. I know. I was just like, yeah, I'm going to do that. I was like, yeah, I don't know how good that's going to go over though.
1: If I could fall over <laughs> and break something on my body.
2: Yeah, no. <laughs> I could see that. I was in gonna for you to walk in and close the closet door and not open it and keep the lights off.
1: How are you gonna keep it closed? There's no handles on it.
2: Yeah, but it's wood. I could have slid it over. <laughs> it would have held you, but it would have been entertaining. It would have for- held
1: me. Yeah, until I knocked them off the fucking hinges. <laughs> <laughs> They're not that sturdy.
0: Uh, The ending involves a superimposition of three elements that many people fail to notice. The last shot of Norman Bates' face has a still frame of human skull superimposed on it, almost subliminally. Uh, The skull is that of the mother, and then it dissolves into a shot of the chain pulling the car uh, with Marion's body out of the swamp. The chain is placed so it appears to be moving through where Norman mother's heart would be, symbolically showing that the two are tied together. That's mm. crazy that they thought that much through that because I didn't get that out yeah, of it, but didn't I did see I did see the skull.
1: Yeah, I saw <laughs> that
0: but not the chain like tying him and marion together which they did play up in all the sequels like marion was the of all the uh, that was the one that norman cared about of all the deaths that he actually did in all the sequels like those two girls that he killed before her didn't give two fucks about but yeah. like, marion was the one because i think he actually cared about marion like he actually was attracted to her and that's what Messed him up. You well, know, actually, worse than the other ones. if
1: you had listened to the doctor's five-minute monologue,
0: he's tutti frutti.
1: <laughs> no, not that. He was sexually attracted to her specifically.
0: Well, they did say that, but yep. they hint and they hint, especially in part three, where he's so attracted to uh, the, 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 the 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 nun or whatever that's got the same initials that he, you know, he almost that he in his mind he was. It was more of a love thing that he had toward uh, Marion because I, you know, I mean, you see Janet Lee out in the middle of a, or a motel like that out in the middle of nowhere, that is a pretty rare sight for a woman that looked like her back in the day. So yeah. I mean, I, you know,
1: You're like I get it. He was
0: it. used to those local, he was used to those local hoes, and they they just wasn't <laughs> that attractive.
1: Them local hoes. <laughs>
0: Despite his reputation for cultivating extended working relationships with these leading ladies as, after observing the reception of this movie, Hitchcock reluctantly told Janet Leigh that they could never work together again as she would always be remembered for her on-screen death as Marion Crane.
1: Wow. I mean, that's both a <laughs> so, compliment and kind of a bitter, uh, sweet goodbye because he's not lying.
2: And he start, she started drinking the
0: next day. Yeah. Uh, yeah, that's when she start. Uh, if that is true, if Tony Curtis was true about all that about her drinking, I feel sorry, more sorry for Jamie Lee Curtis, because her mom she had to deal with a mom who was a drunk and possibly, I mean, I, well, not necessarily abusive because there's no hints of that, but like, yeah. I mean, that had drunk. to have messed her up as a kid if she was seeing any of that. But
2: that's know? I don't know why she took it like that. You were in an iconic movie, and what you took away is I gotta go be a raging alcoholic now. <laughs>
1: What? i don't oh, know only, i mean only people care about is me naked in the shower i was like boo frickity do playboy
2: now what are we talking yeah. about yeah
1: <laughs> um well, but, and, okay uh, wait, wait, also, i had a I question know, real it, quick i
0: mean it was almost like she could never top that is kind of the you know the impression i got so she was like you know she held <clears> that against her it's like oh i can never do better than that so now i'm I'm ruined for life it's like you can try <laughs> i mean that's that's the funniest that's one of the funny things that they do and um uh, the, the movie with uh, Nick Cage or whatever the, the talent movie that he came out with recently he it's funny because he, the entire movie he's got like a younger version of himself that he calls Nicky who's all the time telling him it's like you can be a star again Nick he's like you got it in you because Nicolas Cage is a fucking star you know like <laughs> And you can just imagine Nick Cage saying that to himself. So, I mean, but through the whole movie, he's like, he's like, I'll never be that good again. I I've peaked in my career, and, like, it, it's him struggling to deal with that fact in, through the whole movie.
1: Um, okay, <laughs> here's the thing, though. Okay, she made 26000 How much money did she make? I know that, uh, what's his name, made 40000 How much money did she make? Uh, yeah. Okay. Uh, he
0: made 40, she made 25. Yeah. Do they
1: get anything else after the film or is that just what they get paid? Uh,
0: they they didn't get anything Ooh. on the back end like uh, Hitchcock did.
1: Okay, uh, do, are there actors that get that now?
0: There are actors who get that, I mean, that get stuff on the back end. It depends on the movie itself. But, I mean, there are, uh, you know, several that have negotiated that. They're like, I'll take a lower upfront if you'll give me, you know, more, uh, whatever the profits. And some have made a a, a killing off of that.
1: that, Yeah, it's a gamble for sure. Okay, because I was just wondering, because that is... I mean, I is what all I'm getting at is I could see where she's coming from of if that's all she's known for. Uh, she's getting but it older. It was also
0: her lowest paying job. Yeah, you know, that's the sad thing.
1: <laughs> <clears throat> yeah, lowest paying job. It was also the last movie of her uh, of her contract with Paramount. I don't know if she got signed to anything after that. Now we do know she's made some cameos and some. Yeah, she's since. made
0: some appearances in some of her daughter's movies since then. But yeah, I mean, not really anything major.
1: Yeah, um, I don't know. I, I, I get it, you know. Hopefully she really did not become an alcoholic over that, though. It could have just been his I, excuse. I, I'm
0: hoping that's Tony Curtis, you know, just, you know, sour, you know, grapes yeah. or whatever. He's just like, you know, he's like, I hate that fucking bitch, you know. Like, I'm going to pass this around and, like, you know, try to ruin her reputation or whatever. I, I hope that's what it was. This is know? the
1: reason we got divorced. <laughs> it was her, not me. <laughs> <laughs>
0: Uh it's totally on her. I had nothing to do with any of the divorce. She's and you let Jamie Lee know uh, you let Jamie Lee <laughs> know that so that she doesn't hate me as a father.
1: Oh dear God.
0: <laughs> the MPAA objected to the use of the word transvestite. Oh to my describe god, Norman Bates in the final wrap up. They insisted it be removed until Stefano proved to them that it was actually a clinical psychological term. They thought he was trying to get one over on them and place vulgarity in the picture. So there you go. They didn't like transvestite because they thought it was a vulgar term. Nowadays, they wouldn't allow you to call him a transvestite because the, the alphabet people would throw a fit <laughs> over it.
1: Oh, my God. <laughs>
0: uh, Norman's mother uh, was voiced by Paul Jasmine. Virginia Craig, or Greg, and Jeanette Nolan. Nolan provided some of the screams when Lila discovers the corpse of Mrs. Bates. The three voices were thoroughly mixed, except for the last speech, which was all Greg's voice. Hmm. So they used three different women to do the voice on this. Okay. Well, actually, no, one of them was a man. Yeah, I was about to say. Despite the fact that the entire movie is in black and white, several viewers vividly and specifically recall that red blood, uh, recalled the red blood as it swirled down the shower drain. Obviously, this could not be true, uh, not just for the fact that the black and white film, but the blood was actually Bosco chocolate syrup, yeah. although theatrical movies were produced in color at the time. So this is just one of those. Uh, this is one of probably the original uh, Mandela effects. Like people oh, swearing God. up and like, I swear to God that was red blood when it came out. It's like, no.
1: It's one of those things where you're watching it and because it's black and white and it looks so good, you know, they really did do a good job um, that you can almost see it, but it's not real. You know, it's just your mind being like, oh, that's blood.
0: (laughs) The funny thing was, is that. Uh, this actually probably made it more realistic to the viewers back in the day because they were used to all their news reels being shot in black and white. So their news was in black and white. Yeah. Their newspapers were in black and white. And so when they saw this, it was like, you know, all their fake movies were in color and the real stuff was so this was like more of a snuff film back to viewers in the day. That's kind of weird to think about. Uh, perhaps by coincidence, Dr. Richard Thorndyke, uh, Mel Brooks, is stabbed by a rolled-up piece of paper in the movie High Anxiety that was making oh fun God. of you know, <clears throat> a lot of uh, uh, Hitchcock's movies. Oh, my God. Because he was working with low-budget, Hitchcock did not want to use Top Marquina, with the exception of Janet Leigh, but he hired her because he knew audiences would be shocked to see a star of her stature killed off so early in the movie. There's, uh, And then, I, like I said in the credits, they're showing the stabbing of the names or whatever it yeah. is they're going through. Uh, Hitchcock was very uneasy about the morphing of Norman's face into mothers at the end of the movie. He sent out three different versions of the movie during its release. The first version included the ending seen on all prints today. The second contained no morphing and the third contained the trick at the end. Yet uh, included uh, also included at earlier point in the movie when Sam Loomis Loomis comes back to the Bates motel to look for Arbogast. There is a zooming shot of Norman standing by the swamp looking very sinister and uh, the third version of the movie included the subtle morphing of Mo- Norman's face into his mother's at this moment. I think that it works better at the end, honestly, because yeah. that's when he's supposed to be totally the mother at that point. Yeah. Hitchcock paid the title sequence. Uh, designer Saul Bass also credited as pictorial consultant $2,000 to draw storyboards for the scene where Arbogast is killed at the stairs. Bass was excited about the movie and asked Hitchcock for the opportunity. Uh, Hitchcock discarded his work because the shots showed Arbogast's feet slowly going up the stairs. And this prepared the audience for a shock. Hitch wanted it to be a surprise. And that's why he f- uh, filmed Arbogast in a completely natural way. Instead of him creeping up the stairs, yeah. he's just, you know, kind of walking up that cause he didn't want it to look like Arbogast was, you know, basically going to get attacked, you know, that early in the movie. He wanted it to be a shock when Norman ran out after him. Yeah. Um, the segment where he uh, struggles to stay upright as the camera falls him backwards down the stairs as uh, a process shot. The actor was filmed from his front, flailing his arms wildly while footage of a rapid descent of the staircase was projected behind him. I think it looked like shit, but yeah. that's just me. I mean, for the time, it might have been okay. I don't know.
1: It got the point yeah. across, but very horribly.
0: <laughs> yeah we have already discussed about how Norman's different in the, in the book. Uh, he's also like middle-aged or or he's in his late twenties where in this, you know, in this movie, he's more like a teenager, you know, he's like very early twenties if he's that. So that's a little bit of a difference. Uh, in the book, Norman Bates is having a whiskey induced blackout during the shower murder scene. Um, Let's see. It opens, instead of it opening the book, they added all that stuff on with Marion because in the book it opens with him directly and he's having a fight with Mother you know, right mm. from the very start. And due to the censorship rules from the Hays Code, uh, Marion Crane's murder was less violent than its counterpart in the novel. In the novel, Norman cuts her fucking head off.
1: Oh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> <Damn.
0: laughs> Uh, a scene in the film cryptically depicts Lila Crane looking through a book uh, with a blank cover. The book belongs to Norman Bates, and she finds it. Uh, she seems to find it disturbing, but the audience never views the book's contents. In the novel, Lila simply finds out that Norman collects pornographic illustrations. Oh. So Yeah, the book she's looking at was was is supposed to have like pornography in it. Um. In the novel, Sam Loomis, Loomis figures out Norman Bates' pathology and explains it to Lila Crane. Uh, St- Stefano decided the exposition would be delivered, was better delivered by an actual psychiatrist not an amateur psychologist like Sam Stefano based a new psychiatrist character on the therapist which he was interacting with in real life at the time they were filming this because he too had a difficult relationship with his mother there was a lot of mother issues with the people who involved in this movie
1: mommy issues <laughs>
0: Uh Herman achieved the shrieking sound of the shower scene by having a group of violinists saw the same note over and over. He called the motif a return to pure ice water.
1: Nope. Okay. <laughs> um
0: he composed the cue, the swamp, for the scene where Marion's car is sinking in the swamp. But Hitchcock told Herman not to use the swamp cue in order to increase the suspense and the tension through silence. So the swamp cue wasn't used. Now, that was actually a good point because yeah. it's kind of creepy watching Norman just kind of sit there. And I think he's eating candy corn or whatever Something, while he's watching yeah. the car, you know, sink down.
1: I think the sound effects of it bubbling as it's going down and then it stops and he's just like, oh, fuck. And, and he's then like, oh, just,
0: shit. Yeah,
1: that, that was good. I liked it.
0: Herman had written a cue for the climax where uh, Mrs. Bates is revealed to be a skeleton and Norman the true killer. However, on the advice of Hitchcock, Herman uh, reused the theme from the shower scene at that point, which works better, I think. Yeah. Uh, At uh, 48 minutes when Marion tells Norman she was worried that uh, Mother could harm him, Norman replies, but she is harmless, as harmless as these stuffed birds. Hence that uh, Mother's true condition is that she's stuffed too.
1: Oh, my God. That's kind
0: of like the scene that we talked about in... uh, um the sixth sense where he's looking at him and, and you know he he point blank tells him he's like uh, you know they don't know that they're dead and it's like and he's looking at him like you get the hand you get it the hint? and he's like no i don't fucking get the hand i don't know what you are talking about kid. <laughs> <laughs> immediately prior to the closing sequence of norman bates in his jail cell as the camera moves down the hallway to where the police have confined him the un the uniformed guard at the cell door is ted knight Who's the best remembered? as that fucking prick Judge from uh, Caddyshack, who's giving oh shit God. to Rodney Dangerfield the entire movie? I didn't catch <laughs> well, that. Well, we're waiting.
2: Oh, I thought it was the other way around. I thought Rodney Dangerfield gave him shit the whole movie.
0: Uh, he kind of did, but I mean, but he he was the one that started the war. Rodney Dangerfield just finished it for him.
2: <laughs> That's still a good movie.
0: It is. Is it, it holds up the sound of the knife entering the flesh in the shower scene was created by plunging a knife into a cassava melon. <laughs> he was they were they were plunging some cassavas, folks, just oh. the kind that you know in the movie.
1: I would okay. Uh, so what I envision is like a big roast or something, and stabbing going through there. But hey, that works.
2: Yeah, roast is a little more expensive. The fruit's cheap.
0: <laughs> He's on a budget. The shower. The shower scene has over 90 splices in it and did not involve Perkins at all. Contrary to popular belief, it wasn't due to a scheduling conflict uh, uh, Perkins had for a Broadway musical called Green Willow, but actually a deliberate decision on Hitchcock's part. On this subject, Perkins states, Hitchcock was worried that the dual role and nature of Norman Bates would be exposed if I were to appear in the scene. I think it was the recognizability of my silhouette, which is rather slim and broad in the shoulder, and that worried him. Hmm. Good good decision, I think, because he... Perkins does stand out. He's got a he he's got a very particular frame yeah. to him. Uh, contrary to widely told uh, tale, Hitchcock did not arrange for the water to suddenly go ice cold during the shower scene <gasps> to elicit a scream from Janet Leigh. This urban legend appears to have originated with the Universal Studios tour, uh, when the guides making up as an interesting fact to tell tourists as they pass through the Psycho House. Uh, Lee told the crew to take. Uh, has said that the crew took uh, great care to keep the water warm and the filming of the scenes took an entire week. Um, It was seven days to shoot using 70 different camera angles, but only last 45 seconds. He has a lot of film somewhere of her. A lot of archives. Yeah. There's a lot of film that he got for his own personal use. That's why he's like, where are
2: you at? I'm editing. Leave me alone.
0: (laughs) <laughs> can we go can we go to the restaurant it's Thursday he's like
1: in a minute
0: <laughs>
1: oh my god uh, okay first off she starts that shower like she's in the shower and just turns it on that's not how showers work
0: Especially back then. Yeah,
1: especially back then. I mean, I'm surprised oh, yeah, those you didn't...
0: water heaters back then were terrible. Yeah,
1: and then like I'm like, okay, so was this water pre warmed before she went in? Obviously for the scene, whatever. I get that. But then she's taking the shower. She's just like her mouth is open, like. Okay, I hope you watching the video enjoyed that because that's exactly what she looked like. Okay, just the whole time her <laughs> mouth is just open in the weirdest way. Not even in a sexy way as a porn actress waiting to get her, you that know, the money Hitchcock. shot.
2: Alfred Hitchcock so I need you to just keep your mouth wide open. Yeah, like a
1: like line. a baby bird.
0: I, I, I might hold something up to the screen later on. Yeah. You didn't hear that part. Don't worry about it. He
1: did his own money <laughs> shot later, but yeah, like, but it wasn't, I don't know. It looked so awkward to me, but I'm like, I had to think for a minute. I was like. Is that her literally making that face because that water is fucking ice cold because she just turned it on? There's no way. <laughs> Who fucking takes a shower like that? I don't even take showers like that now, and I have a badass water heater.
0: Uh, according to uh, Stephen Ribello, the Hayes office censors requested changes the shower scene, uh, of course. Some believe they had caught a brief glimpse of Janet Lee's breast. Rebello confirms that they are definitely a couple of frames showing a bare breast and a nipple. So it is in there, according to this guy who did like Hitchcock's biography. Mm-hmm. Hitchcock waited several days, sent the movie. This is, a, this is a ballsy move, folks. He got the he got the censors have told him mm-hmm. it's like, you gotta cut that. There's clearly some nipples in there somewhere. He waits a few days, sends them the exact same fucking movie, and they're like, Yeah, that looks fine. Hell yeah! <laughs> you stupid fucks. You know what it sounds
1: like with the with the seeing and titties and nipples is a lot of wishful thinking. I think I saw it. I think I saw it. <laughs> it was right there. Rewind, rewind, rewind. Is right there. Did you see it? You didn't see it. Rewind it again.
0: <laughs> Capes is thinking, wore out in mean, one I, spot. They, they, it's such a boss move on his behalf. It's just like. Here you go. Here's the movie. I, I I swear I you know, I cut it up and they're like, "Yeah, that's fine." And he didn't do one damn thing to it at all. Like when he sent it back oh to Oh my him. god. Sweet. <laughs> um now Lee has maintained in her own interviews that it was me the entire time in the shower except for the time when he's wrapping the body in the shower curtain, but that is not true as we've said because Marley Renfro was used as her body double. Yes. Um and uh, Hitchcock also had to uh, fight with the censors over the scene with Marion in the bed. Uh, well, we already said that. Um, and then he later said, "Let's see." However, he later said the opening scene should have featured Janet at least bare breast whenever they came back to him and bitch. So that was. <laughs>
1: I'm sure he would love have that loved
0: that. He's like, he's like, oh, you don't like her in the bra, sitting there next to Sam. Well, we should add her titties out. Yeah. How do you think about that? How about some titties? <laughs> Uh, going back to Marley Renfro, the unbilled nude model who doubled for Janet Lee in portions of the Murder Secrets was featured as a Playboy cover girl in the September 1960 issue. Uh, while this movie was still in theaters, quite appropriately, she was pictured on the cover taking a shower. Oh, my God. As she would be. Uh, Hef knew what he was doing. Come on! Oh, yeah. yeah. That worked um, out perfect. Renfro was paid $400 uh, as Janet Lee's body double for some shots. According to some reports, she was only used for the scene of Marion's body being wrapped in the shower curtain. Although Lee has said for years that there was never anyone actually n- naked in the shower, she admits later in her life that Renfro did do some shots. Uh, um, she also mentioned in her autobiography that she was nude in some scenes herself, except for the flesh colored moleskin, uh, that was on her nipples, uh, that got washed away from her breast at one point. Yeah.
1: Um, <laughs>
0: um, so, and like I said, she, you know, whenever it came down to it, she was like, well, I don't want to fucking reshoot this scene. So yeah, my nipples are out there. So there you go. The shower scene was originally written to see only the knife-wielding hand of the murderer. Hitchcock suggested to Saul Bass, who was storyboarding the sequence, several angles that would capture uh, screenwriter Stefano's description of an impression of a knife slashing as if tearing at the very screen, ripping the film. Um, The shot of the knife appearing to enter Marion's abdomen was achieved by pressing it against her body so as to dent the skin slightly, withdrawing it rapidly, and then playing the shot backwards. So that's kind of how they achieved that scene it's so quick that's hard to tell anyways though I mean it's you know it's there and done yeah I, I never
1: th- I never <laughs> thought I saw a knife to actually touch her body it just seemed like the camera was zooming in on certain parts of the body while just barely missing the money bits so
0: <laughs> yeah or or not depending upon who you oh yeah so I saw Teddy. When Norman spies on Marion as she gets ready to shower, the painting that he removes from the parlor wall is of Susanna and the elders, which is a young woman unknowingly watched as she bathes. So he even tied the theme into that. The picture that he wow. removes to, to, for the people has a woman getting spied oh on in a bath. God. So <laughs> The continuous shot moving from Marion's lifeless body to the shower to the newspaper in her cabin hiding the rolled-up money inside to the Bates' house through the window to the walls. <laughs> <laughs> Um, when Norman cries out and his mother shows up covered in blood, uh, required optically compositing three different film segments. That was because the shower and the motel rooms were separate sets, and the Bates house was actually on the back lot. So they did, even though it looks like a continuous shot. It was very, very well done, you know, and wow. make it look that way. Uh, during the last seconds of the slow zoom out from Marion's head, lying lifeless on the bathroom floor, her throat moves as she gulps involuntarily. This disproves the common claim that a fr- freeze frame of the of a photo or a photo was used for this shot that's what a lot of people said when this first came out most people don't realize that they said oh well they just held a picture of janet lee you know up to the camera and then panned out from that it's like no she actually that was her because you can see her you know actually swallow at that point yeah um in the next moment janet lee blinked so a clip of the shower head was inserted to cover the mistake this breaks up the continuous shot that was intended to zoom out from marion's face then pan away to the paper from the money inside uh, with the difficulty of combining the three shots uh, seamlessly, the scene was never successfully reshot. So they had to, they even though they, they had those in there, they're like, we, we're not going to redo it. We've done seven days on this fucking thing. We got to move. Yeah. Um, Hitchcock received several letters from uh, the ophthalmologist, like I said, that said that her eyes should have been dilated instead of contracted. And we've already covered that. Uh, at the end of the shower scene, the first few seconds of the camera pullback from Lee's face is a freeze frame. Uh, Hitchcock did this because while viewing the rushes, his wife noticed the pulse in Lee's neck throbbing. Uh, that probably wasn't the only thing throbbing during the filming of all this. <laughs> hey <Hi. laughs> Uh According to Psycho 2, Lila Crane and Sam Loomis uh, married after the events of the film and had a daughter named Mary. Uh, Sam had died by 1982. So... Um, So that's, I mean, so there was the scene there where they had a freeze frame and they kind of pushed back from, or they had to insert that just because they claimed that there was, you can see her, you know, neck or whatever.
1: Okay.
0: Sandwiches and milk, sandwiches and milk, snacking from a bag of candy corn and having peanut butter and crackers in the kitchen are the only times in the film when Norman is seen preparing food of any kind. Since he murdered his mother as a teenager, it is assumed that he never learned to cook. Oh yeah. And Norman, along with Tony Perkins, remained rail thin for 30 years because of it. So. Wow. <laughs> uh, during the shower scene when Janet Lee turns her back on her assailant, slow motion uh, viewing reveals not a knife but a stagehand using a large stake-shaped piece of wood or a le- or leather plunging toward her back. Uh, I, yeah, I mean, if you want to slow it down and do that, that's your business. Like, that's overkill, but, I mean, I guess people have done it.
1: The only thing people are going to uh, slow down to look for is a titty and a nipple, so...
0: Yeah, that's that's what I mean, if you're going to spend it on the right things, yeah. people come on. After Norman returns with a tray after being chewed out by his mother for feeding Marion, uh, his reflection is seen dimly in the glass of a motel window As He tells her mother uh, what is the phrase she isn't herself today. As Norman is the only one of the five major characters never seen reflected in a mirror, the scene hints subtly that his own personality is fading then and he is becoming his mother. Some so people, there's people that. People really look deep into the shit. <laughs> when Janet Lee signs the motel registry, the entry above seems to be that of another female guest, thus corroborating the questions asked at the end of the film about other missing persons. Oh, so shit. she, I mean, there was somebody killed right before her, uh, the two scenes of Norman's mother where she leaves her bedroom to go up downstairs are both shown from overhead, uh, That way, uh, basically, they didn't want to give away until the very final scene that it was Norman, you know, dressing up as his mother, and that was the way of doing it. Uh, Marion's bra changes from white, angelic, (laughs) to black, bad, after she steals the money to show that she's done something wrong and evil. I Uh, noticed that. Her purse also changes colors.
1: Which is funny because, (laughs) as far as I know, I guess she did change at home. I don't know. Yeah, she
0: changed changed right before she hopped in the car, and then her boss saw her, you know, like, heading out or whatever. Well, the real question is, does she look hotter with a black black bra? Mm, I don't know. She looked pretty good in that white one at the beginning (laughs) of it, so it's hard to say.
1: I guess you weren't there to see that scene, huh?
0: Yeah. Oh, darn. (laughs) I can watch any time I want. What are we talking about? (laughs) Uh, Marion and Norman have voiced and and uh, monologues in their heads. Marion imagines various people commenting about her theft at the oh, beginning, yeah. and Norman talks to himself in his mother's persona at the ending. Uh, this is to uh, both suggest that they're similar to each other, uh, and, and the fact that they're, it's their strong imaginations are what helps them commit their various crimes. Although, of course, Norman's crimes are way worse than anything Marion does in the
1: movie. Just a little bit. <clears throat>
0: Saul Bass's iconic movie titles with gray bars uh, shred the names, like we said. Uh, they also hinted the killer as a split personality uh, in the way that they're filmed. There's only four people killed in the movie. If you count Mother, uh, although two earlier victims are mentioned in this movie and subsequently uh, named in the sequel, uh, Mother, Her Lover, Marion, and the Detective are the only four people killed in the actual film. And the scene where Vera Miles explores the bedroom of the deceased Mr. Bates might have had some inspiration from the Faulkner short story, A Rose for Emily. Now, have you all heard about A Rose for Emily? I think it inspired this uh, movie to a certain extent. No. It's about a woman in the late 1800s in a southern town who is forced to marry a man after her father dies. And, you know, because that's the way of it, she couldn't just, you know, remain like the. You know, executor of the estate, she had to get married to somebody else. And so she ends up falling for this guy who comes to town, but he ends up being a cheating fuckboy basically. And because of all the things involved with it, she poisons him, much like, you know, Norman does in this. And she keeps his corpse in her bed and even past the point of it rotting. Ugh. And the, there's very long sections of the story where the, most of the town folk are like, what in the fuck is that smell? You know, like every time they walk past and she said it was dead rats or whatever, that they had tons wow. of them and all that stuff. And it was only until after the woman died that the, the, the town, you know, showed up, went through her house and then saw the corpse of her, you know, dead husband that she had been laying with and sleeping with the entire time since she killed him. So
1: I wonder if he had a death (laughs) erection.
2: Now we know where Jeffrey Dahmer got it from. It's beef. My family (laughs) sent it to me and left it on the counter.
0: All right. Uh, Enough of that talk. Let's get to ratings, everybody. <laughs> what? Let's let's see. Who wants to go first on this? I don't. I mean, I don't care to go first, but you want me to do it. But
1: um, you want to go first, babe? No. Okay, I will go first. Uh, spoiler alert, and I'm sure it comes as a big surprise to both of you that this is my first time <laughs> seeing the movie all the way through from beginning to end.
0: That doesn't shock me at all.
1: I, I know you guys are just so surprised right now. <laughs> um, but of course I knew of the movie and of course you've seen all the iconic scenes. Um, so I don't know. so basically watching this it was gonna it has it literally had to come down to the acting, uh, the music, uh, the scenery. and for me it's going to be I'm gonna give it a 3.8 out of five um, because I didn't hate this movie by any means and um, I, I don't like older movies. I don't know how many times I have to reiterate that. I don't know who's <laughs> listening for the first time. I'm really just,
0: surprised that you rated it that high, given your hatred for older movies. I'm I'm really impressed. I do honestly. not like older so. movies,
1: yeah. But the storyline is good. Uh, you know, it's it's got a good story to it. It's got a, you, you have sympathy for the character a little bit. You know, I think that Norman Bates specifically, I think that Anthony Perkins did his job really well. Um, it was kind of cool to see a, you know, uh, such a high character like, um, oh God, I forgot her name now. Um, the one who played Marion, though. It is kind of cool. Yeah, it is kind of cool to see a character like that die. So seal. I mean, it worked really well for Scream. When you have Drew Barrymore die so early, like, what, five minutes into the movie? Oh, yeah. You know?
0: And that might have been a callback to this, too, in a roundabout way. I mean, I wouldn't put it past, to be honest with you. That
1: shit was unexpected. So, And obviously, we know she dies, but because this was my first time seeing it all the way through, I wasn't 100% um, quite yet. It wasn't until the the shower scene happened, I was like, oh, fuck, I know what's going to happen, you know? So, um, enjoyable, enjoyable movie. I think Alfred Hitchcock did a good job putting this together.
0: All right, Noah, what do you think about it? Uh,
2: I give it a 4.8 on him wrecking the studio, That's... and again, I give the movie a four and a half just on the movie <laughs> for him to pull you know off what? what he did of just fucking just, just stealing all that money from them is awesome. <laughs>
0: And uh, just, his, the, uh, just the uh, ballsy way that he dealt with even the sensors. I mean, yeah, just everything in mean- general. It was
2: just like at every turn, everybody was trying to get shitty with him, and he was just like, okay, okay, okay. <laughs> it was just one awesome thing after another. Yeah, I, I, I give this one a four and a half, and I actually give Psycho 2 a four. I actually like it was just nice to see that timeline advanced into yeah. a, a deeper part of the uh, – into a more uh, – uh, pushed out timeline of where their culture was going. It was just all the stuff that they did in Psycho Two, like, is way over the top compared to Psycho One, they, because they show the titties in there and the whole night and everything. It's way more. No, I'm just saying though, if if you if you watch it from a historic, historical historical like viewpoint and you see what was considered over the top, and then fast forward to the second one. You get a you get a good understanding of like how much he was probably pushing the envelope.
0: Oh yeah. It's it's like a time capsule for both of them whenever you watch them back to back. I I mean, and I and like I said earlier when we were talking about it, I think psycho two for the psychological stuff in it is amazing. Oh, like yeah. Effect, oh yeah. They they you know, they go back in and they're showing the effect of them gaslighting him and he's he's fighting it the entire time. I mean, that was a very smart Move on their back. Well, not yeah. that,
2: but it, it seems believable. Like I could see some Karen lady doing something like that. <laughs> like, it, <laughs> yeah, I, could sure. she pull it off? I don't know, but I could actually in my head like picture that going down in
1: the eighties. Maybe that's believable.
2: Even you know? na- even nowadays, probably more than ever. Yeah,
1: that's people true. Are all people about, believe you know, anything.
2: People are all about trying to do stuff like that nowadays. It that's rampant. It's just we have the ability to catch it now easily. <laughs> Yeah, I thought it was really good. I, I like it. I gotta it.
0: admit, I'm 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 100 same score as everything. Four four point eight for the boss <laughs> moves that he pulled against the studio, and four and a half for the movie itself. Like, I mean, that shower scene is so fucking artistic. It, it just blows my mind going back and watching it. Like, I mean, there I'm sure that this movie is shown to like you know uh, you know. Uh, film students, but it needs to be a lot. Yeah. like, I mean, there they, that is the way that you do a scene like that and make it artsy and and not you know over the top. I mean, you if you want to compare it to Terrifier two and that whole <laughs> scene with the girl and the bleach, and I mean, that's two. I mean, that's a good comparison between the two styles. But I mean, could you just, imagine I mean, I mean, going, only, going back and, in time and,
2: I, and showing Terrifier two? <laughs> To the people of the era of the original Psycho. <laughs> oh, my God, dude.
1: Don't be late.
2: <laughs> that movie is so over-the-top <laughs> violent,
0: man. But, um, but I mean, even if I don't like how it came out on the Arbogast scene, I appreciate the style that he put in the scene. Like, it is stylistic even if I don't like how it turned out in the movie. The only thing I don't like... It's really that fucking five-minute, and, and that wasn't even his fault. He had to put it in there because the studio made him do it. I mean, now, if it had been me, I would, years later, just cut it out of the film. He could have very easily done that whenever it went to Universal, and I don't know why he didn't, but maybe if he tried to at that point, maybe there was a lot of film historians that were giving him shit over it because, you know, they do that. They're like, it was the classic. Don't touch it, whatever, and I appreciate to that to a point because we do have people now – that want to cut movies to, like, certain parts out of movies because it's, you know, it hurts, you know, sensitivities for people. I mean, and, you know, and and I think that's the totally wrong thing to do. You're just whitewashing history and everything else when you do that. Yeah. but um, I
2: kind of like the whole idea. I I
0: still think him as a director, he should have been able to go back.
2: I I like the whole idea (laughs) at the end of the movie. What was that you said, Noah? At the end of the movie when they tied that on there with the the therapist or – Psychologist was talking about it. I actually did kind of like because it, it rounds out the character a little bit. You're 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 painting a broader picture of like yeah he did this, but man, like something fucked up really took place for him to go down this rabbit hole. No,
1: it's understandable. The problem is is that he it, some of the things he was saying were redundant. It
2: was too thorough. Yeah. Yes, I agree. Mm. Not in that, yeah. but the, our understanding of psychology it, it, now has changed it, radically. So he's getting he's he's going from a position of
0: Knowledge from that era, too. But well, there's that, but there's also it was. I mean, he was telling us things we already saw in the movie, and that's probably the worst thing. I think even Hitchcock, knowing uh, you know how much. I mean, he was a very good director and classically trained. He was more about show, don't tell. I'm sure he hated the fact that they were literally repeating stuff that happened in the movie through that psychiatrist explanation. And if he could have, you know, edited that in a way that it basically described maybe the mattress side part of it, because that's the thing that you might not get from the movie upon first viewing. If he would have just described that and maybe the sexual, like repression and stuff, a little bit without going, you know, into all the other stuff, then that might have worked better. I, I like it
2: from the aspect. Um, uh, I'd like when I try to see people rationalize erratic behavior because they're usually wrong. Like a lot of stuff you're saying, it sounds kind of like bullshit to a degree. There, there's probably some truth within it too, but <laughs> when I hear people trying to, try to like try to rationalize that, I think it I I like that because it, it usually they end up getting proven wrong anyways that's the point I liked about it. The guy was oh, just trying, true, to, yeah. he was trying to rationalize his behavior, but if you look at from <clears> a position, it's like, you can rationalize it all you want. It's still insane behavior.
1: Yeah, he and he needs to not be on the streets. Like,
2: I got a feeling back then, if that would have happened, they would have executed him. I don't think he would have got locked in a mental institution. I think back then, they would have threw the book yeah, at him I hard. I think
0: they were far less forgiving. Yes.
2: Well, it depends.
1: Yeah. I mean, this was in Arizona. I, yeah. I don't know what their take on that was. I know Yeah, their they were probably like, different. kill him.
2: In Arizona, <clears> back in the fifties, are like, no, this guy's dead. <laughs> they probably well, would have.
0: it would probably have been a close. I was in California, so it's probably even more likely that they would have, because he, he was caught in California. That that town that the Bates Motel is in, because she drove from Phoenix to California, oh, okay. and that's where the Bates Motel is. That is in California. Yeah, oh, yeah. they
2: would have killed him back then. So in California, he... California, had <laughs> California <laughs> but, the death penalty um, up for a minute. Like they they were executing people.
0: The 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 one thing that I don't like about watching this movie now is that you don't get to watch it from the the same point of view that the people did back in the day. Like I would have loved to have seen this movie completely unspoiled. But I mean, like I knew about this movie years before I ever saw anything, even the sequels to it, just because like you mentioned Norman Bates and like, ee, 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 like I mean, it's in culture. Like everybody yeah. knows that scene. Like I mean, like I said, made the joke. It's like you come out of the womb knowing it nowadays. I mean, it's. And it's just, you go back and you watch it and it, it robs the movie of that a little bit. Like if you, if trying to place myself in the, in the mindset of somebody from the sixties who went and watched this and they start out watching this, but just like I did. Cause I can kind of get that frame of mind because I was the same way with from dusk till dawn, a Buddy brought it over. We rented it from the local video store. We were sitting there watching it. We're like, Oh, this is one Tarantino's like, you know, you know robbery type movies it's you know a bunch of gang members okay cool we've seen pulp fiction and then whenever it does the t twist or twist literally like you know right after the whole you know like the scene where you know of course you know he's drinking you know booze from salma hike's foot because it's tarantino and his foot fetish and they turn into vampires i'm like what the fuck (laughs) is this movie doing now and like i was mind blown you know just and and I would have liked to have been that, you know, like it was a fly on the wall back in the day and just seen people react to this movie when it when that happened.
1: You know, it's funny because it's I
0: mean, it, it you you just you... the
1: the kids Go ahead. the kids have not seen Psycho yet, but I guarantee you they've seen Psycho because they've seen Treehouse of War.
2: It, they've seen reenactments of yes, like uh, nostalgic scenes. Yeah, I don't think I don't think I can yeah, get him to sit down. And, Everybody knows about it. Yeah. Yeah, I don't think I can get him to sit down and watch it. I think the kids would be like, "Oh my god."
1: Probably not Benny. Nona definitely. Benny loves <laughs> black and white films.
0: I know we watched a you lot. You might of, get him to watch Psycho too. You might get him to watch that.
2: That's actually I, I liked that one a lot when yeah. I was watching it last night. I was like, dude, this held up really good.
1: It did. I liked how it transitioned to the newer times. I know I like how it was him having to adapt to the newer times and how hard of a time he had and I actually felt bad for him. I mean, the, you're supposed to feel bad for him. But like I he genuinely tried to worse hold it for together him in
2: Psycho 2 than I did in Psycho 1. Yeah. Yeah, he's just getting gaslit the whole time and it's hard to tell if he's getting gaslit or he's just going crazy.
1: Yeah. Like
2: you're walking a line until you realize that well, the and mom we'll- and the daughter
0: at one point he flips and and it does go from one to the other. It's yeah. uh, there it starts out and I mean you can see the progression of the movie and that's one of the good things about it. it it's Psycho two it goes from like he's totally being gaslit because he's he's perfectly fine at the beginning of the movie. He's he, you know but then he starts getting in those notes and then he starts hearing his mother in his head and then it's like, okay. So, but then like through the course of the movie, when he starts picking up the phone and it turns out later, it's actually his real mother, you know, the new mother that they introduced, that's been calling him this entire time. So he's not entirely off the reservation yet, but he starts, it's not them gaslighting him anymore. It's him responding to his mother again, you know? So you start seeing that switch. Um, I even like three to be perfectly honest with you. I mean, it's cheesy as fuck, but I, I love how over the top it is as far as a B movie goes. I'm trying like to think that, of that. That whole shit with Jeff Fahey and he's playing like, you know, the guitar and all that shit. It's, it's, I mean, it's, it's, I mean, it's worth it to me. It, psycho four is the only bad one of the bunch. And I, and, it, and I like aspects of it. It's just that it's kind of a rope. Like you can tell it was a made for TV type movie. It's like, you know, it's, it's more like a stage play than it is like an actual movie at times.
1: Yeah. So, silence.
0: there we go. I mean, pretty high ratings. I mean, especially from Urena. I mean, jeez, <laughs> I did not expect 3.8. I'm very happy with that. The unexpected. I expected you come in here, it's like Snooze Fest, 1.5 out of 5. I'm like, fuck. Well, you oh, gotta remember, Snooze she was on Fest. Her,
2: she was on her phone the whole time when the movie was on.
1: That's not true. I was on for the first, like, I don't know, early <laughs> part of it. And then, at the end, it. I mean, Snooze Fest, you gotta remember, is the higher end of my rating.
2: She hung in right to the girl got murdered in the beginning. Oh, no, that's true. Coma is the other end. Yeah. Yes, coma. Yeah. So
1: it was a snooze <laughs> mess because at the very, very end, I was, like, ready to just go to sleep. So I was just like, okay, this is a lot of fucking running around. Just so, get to the point, folks. Let's, let's wrap it up.
2: Well, they're, they're trying to uncover what the hell happened. I know. No one had cell phones. There weren't cameras everywhere. <laughs> so would we?
0: Go for it, man. That is true. I mean, they, and, you know, and back in the day, like, I mean, you know, like we talked about the people being freaked out enough by the fact that the movie switches, you know, gear. So suddenly, you know, partway through they, they might've needed that a little bit at the end of it to kind of, you know, kind of like ease themselves out of the theater. Cause if it would have cut off right after, you know, like cut that out and cut her out with him, like in his mother's face dissolving on there, they might have i mean you might have legit had some fucked up people back in the day i mean as corny as that sounds like that might have really fucked with them if they didn't have that little bit of a breather there at the end of it yeah (laughs) do we have any plugs before we head out of here
1: no but i was gonna ask what are we reviewing next
0: so next, because we're not quite, we're in the sixties right now. We've not quite made it to the, we've got, we've got a big stretch between before we get to 74, which is when chainsaw came out. I thought that the next thing we could review is uh, there's a couple of slashers that were also considered proto slashers. Almost uh, one of them is a giallo, which is kind of like the, uh, the Italian films that were serial killer films that also inspired carpenter to, to make Halloween, which is the, technically the first, well, if you leave out, Black Christmas, but we'll get to that. But anyways, uh, so uh, Alice, Sweet Alice is, is one of the movies. That's supposed to be a proto slasher, and it has mask and all that stuff. I don't think it has a final girl because we don't establish that till Jamie Lee officially. And then uh, 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 Mario Bava's Bay of Blood. That's supposed to be the most slasher-like of the giallos before it switched over and Halloween changed everything. So.
1: Okay. Are we doing those individually? Um like separately on uh, different doing, or
0: uh, we're doing we're b- doing both reviews in one episode. Okay. because I feel like after that we need to hit up chainsaw or depending upon where we're at because time crunch. Uh, probably the Christmas slashers because damn, there's some good Christmas slashers. Oh yeah, including Black Christmas.
1: Okay, so <laughs> that sounds good.
0: Uh, and with that, peace be with you.
1: And with your spirit.